Uh, you're probably wondering, hey, where'd, where'd Pastor Anthony go? Is he doing okay? Uh, there's been a bug that's been going around the community and around our office, and he succumbed to it yesterday. He sends his greetings, doing well, but not well enough to, to be here and speak. And so I got the, the call yesterday afternoon. So apologies to those of you that are going to be sticking around for Summit. The message may or may not take on a very similar feel uh, but we'll just look at it like we're doing two a days, okay? So if you're sticking around, you just get here at a second time for it to kind of, you know, ground in, in who you are. Uh, I do want to share with you a brief update on our Christmas tree offering. Thank you for participating in that this week. Uh, you're going to have the opportunity to do so uh, today as well. And just as a reminder, here's where we're going to be renovating a house for a community service project. We'll go to the next slide. There's the map, Chisholm Trail Academy, and the what has been formerly known as the Bothy House, just down the street from the Pinnacle Bank on 4th Street, is where we're going to be renovating. Here's a look at the outside, uh, kind of 3D model of it. And then the floor, the floor plan, great stuff, thrift store to the left, a counseling and services center to the right, hopefully open five to at least five days a week all the way through the day and into the evening and just kind of a smorgasbord and buffet of different community service opportunities uh, for people to come and to receive care for their needs. Go to the next one. Remind you of our goal, $50,000 for this Christmas season, a total project goal of $300,000 in the last week, last Sabbath, Total of $2,700 came in, $53.50. And let me tell you, in the history that our church has been doing a Christmas tree offering, that's the largest that's come in in a single week. And to put that into perspective, last year at this time, uh, it was only $700. So that's a, that's a fourfold increase. So we're so thankful for your participation in that. All told with what, el what else has come in through this week, and we had some stuff come in in December, or in November, I mean, uh, $6,000 uh, total towards that. So what does that look like in the grand scheme of things? $6,159.05 towards our two goals. For our Christmas tree offering this year in our Kickstarter campaign, we are 12% of the way there. And I praise God for that. We still got a ways to go. But this is a, this is a good, good direction. And all told for the $300,000 goal, 2%. But that is 2% more than we had last week, okay? And I wrote in our weekly uh, Keen Church newsletter about baby steps. Micah took his first steps this past week, which I'm super, yeah, I know. He's, it's just, it's a blast. It's a mental thing for him. He's got it, it's just, it's just in, in his mind. But he, he may never remember those steps, but we sure will. We'll show him the video evidence. And if you'd like to see the evidence, come find me afterwards. Uh, he may not remember those steps, but those steps are the first of many he will take in his life that will combine to be his entire life. So first steps to last steps to the ones in between, it doesn't necessarily matter because they all combine to make us who we are. And these steps that we've taken towards this project will make us who we are as a community. So you'll have an opportunity in our last song today to bring forward a Christmas tree offering. It's the red envelope in the pew in front of you. Got one for display. You can also give in online for those of you that are watching online. Uh, but just take an opportunity to, to partner together for the mission and ministry of making an impact in this community. And we're excited to see how God is gonna continue to lead. Uh, we're going to kick it old school, if that's okay with you. I, Slido, you guys remember Slido? So you pull out your phones, uh, go ahead and scan the code that's on the screen. That was me on the screen. There's the code on the screen. Uh, scan that code. You can go to slido.com, put in the code 114, and we'll get to participate this morning and kind of find out where we are as a community. And as you're scanning in, 
I want to mention this morning that today has a very special significance for Elevate in this community because this Sabbath is the official 10-year anniversary of Elevate being what it is. It was on December 7, 2013 that the first group met under the name Elevate and launched something spectacular. Remember talking about first steps? Some of you may have been there for those first steps. I remember those first steps and it has grown to be what it is today. So coming in January, we're going to be celebrating it. Uh, as a team, we looked and said, Christmas is busy. Let's take some time in, in January to celebrate that 10-year anniversary. But there's just something significant about today that, that warms my heart. So listen for more announcements, January 13, big block party, big celebration. I'll make sure to come out and support all of that. You in Slido? Thank you. I got one yes. Let's go to the first one. Do you have someone who loves you? Simple question. Do you have someone who loves you? What say you? It's not too late to sign in or sign up. You can still scan the code and get there. Do you have someone who loves you? Can we get to 100 participants? I think we can. There we go. So at 192, 91% of the room says, yes, I have someone who loves me. Couple of people hanging out in three and four, one person down at one, okay? Let's go to the next one. Do you have a source of joy in your life? Do you have a source of joy? I love Christmas. This is my favorite time of year. Uh, that's not summer. Like summer for me is like peak happiness in terms of the seasons. Uh, Christmas time, particularly these couple weeks are my favorite with the lights and the music. You have a source of joy. Okay, dipping down a little bit across the room out of 120 respondents, 76% of us, Say, yes, I have a source of joy. That's uh, 7, 14% kind of hanging out there in the middle and then on the way down. Okay, next one. Do you have a sense of peace? Do you have a sense of peace today? Do you have a sense of peace today? Let's see here. Oh, okay. A little bit more movement. 30% of the room would only somewhat agree or agree 24% is in the middle, a little bit more on the lower end, one, two. So I think as a community in general, we're struggling the most with peace, right? So the question then is, for those of you that are one, two, three, or four, what would it take for you to move from a two to a three or a three to a four? Hopefully today's message has something to say about that. A couple more for you. These are a little bit more fun. The people in this room seem like they have their lives, their lives are more peaceful than mine. The people in this room seem like their lives are more peaceful than mine. Go ahead and make a quick judge of your neighbor. It's, it's okay because it's anonymous, right? Nah, okay. So maybe you're being, very, you're, you're being very nice to the people around you. Maybe their lives are more peaceful. Okay, let's go to the next one. We got two more. Public calls for peace actually make things worse. Public calls for peace actually make things worse. We can think about some significant, significant events recently. Hmm. Yes, no, maybe. You guys are just on the fence today. Majority of the room's like, eh, maybe, maybe. Okay, last one. I'm worried my life may never be as it should be. I'm worried my life may never be as it should be. Out of 120, 47% says yes. That's a worry I have. 44% says no. And 11% says maybe. Look at that. 45 and 45, kind of right there 
in the middle. Today's message has something to say about that. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter two. That's where we begin. Luke chapter two, verse 14. We'll put it up on the screen. Last week, we focused on this phrase, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. But we go to the next slide and we see our focus for today. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is well pleased. Could you and I experience peace? That's the question. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 17 through 20 say this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are God's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. This passage from 2 Corinthians is the Christmas message that God declared peace on earth and invited you and me to participate in that peace. Don't believe me and don't believe Paul. Let's see the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter five, verse nine. Blessed are the what? Peacemakers, for they will be children. They will be called children of God. In God's kingdom, to be a peacemaker is to be a part of God's family. That's the truth that we have for today. Peace making is the mark of being a son or a daughter of God. And you from your family of origin may experience a particular mark that says, I am a part of this family. Maybe your whole family's gone to Disney World and you all bought the same t-shirt and you had to wear it on Wednesday, right? Or the family reunion where you got to all wear the same color scheme. Maybe you picked up a particular talent from your parents or a trade, a family business, something that is passed along that when someone sees you, they say, ah, that person is a part of that family. In God's kingdom, to be a peacemaker is the marker of being a part of God's family. Diane Chen from A New Covenant Commentary on Luke says this, in the end, God's initiative meets human response to actualize eternal peace between both parties. Because God's initiative always comes first, human responsiveness presupposes divine favor. In other words, God extended peace so that we in turn could extend peace to others. It's the Christmas story. And to unpack this a little bit further and to hopefully make it practical for you today, I wanna explore a short portion of scripture found in Luke chapter 10. It's a story about a mission trip and kind of the, the pep rally, the coach talk before that mission trip. Jesus talking to his disciples. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Thanks, Jesus, appreciate that one. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Jesus says, leave off anything that distracts you and follow the mission and purpose that I have placed in front of you. And this is what you are to do first, verses five and six. When you enter a house, 
first say what? Peace to this house. In verse six, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. This pronouncement is a blessing of peace. And it's a method of finding out where peace resides. That if you were to go into a town, to community, begin to knock on the doors, peace to you. If someone would welcome you with peace, you knew that that would be a place for you to dwell. And Jesus says, don't go from house to house. Don't go all things. Stay right there with that person. And notice, peace is never wasted. When you proclaim peace to someone, it either multiplies it or that peace is returned to you. Reynolds Sequeira puts it this way. We'll go to the next slide. Since peace, Irene in the New Testament, reflects the all comprehensive Jewish concept of peace, which we learned about last week, the responsibility for the implementation of peace does not repose upon government and political powers only. The individual is directly concerned with it and it is his responsibility to work for it. Joel Green says this, next slide. Peace is portrayed not merely as something one might wish for another, but as an entity that can be transmitted and possessed or returned. Inasmuch as peace is the gift of Yahweh, the nature of Jesus' directive is to identify these sent ones as persons capable of extending the peace that is God to others. In other words, you receive peace from God and in turn extend that to people around you. You see, we are carriers of God's peace to the world. And in a post-COVID world, that word carrier kind of takes on a little bit different connotation than it might have a couple of years ago. But we carry God's peace. If we are children of God, we are peacemakers and vice versa. Therefore, we are carriers of the peace that this world needs. That you and I, every day on an individual basis, can be perpetuators of the kingdom of God and the peace that it proclaims. Think about this for a moment. That before every conversation, before every interaction that you have, before you drive on the parking lot that is I-35, before you make it to the office, the classroom, the dorm room, what would your life look like if you began to pronounce peace upon the people that you were interacting with? Don't get weird with it, okay? But pray, may peace be a part of this conversation, upon this interaction. It's likely you have a conversation you need to have this week with someone that you are not looking forward to. What would it look like if you entered that conversation with a pronouncement of peace? May peace be upon you and upon this conversation. Like how Mother Teresa puts it, peace begins with a smile. We bless one another by the softening of our expression and turning up the corners of our lips. We carry peace with us. When we were living in Bering Springs, Michigan, as many pastors go and live in their sojourn through the wilderness of the Adventist Theological Seminary, it was, it was a really great time. I, sometimes I, I wish I could go back. But we had a post office box right in downtown Bering Springs. And downtown Bering Springs is a lot like downtown Keene. You blink and you miss it. 
Okay, and uh, so one day in between classes, I had a little bit of time. I was, ah, let's go to the post office and we grab the mail. And I'm walking across the, the, the crosswalk because I had to park across the street. And I get to the, the entrance of the post office and I put my hand on the door and something catches my eye out of the corner of my eye. And I look back and there's someone walking in the crosswalk that I had just walked towards the post office. And gentlemen, you'll understand this one, but there's a certain mental calculation that we make when we approach the door and someone is coming behind us that there, there's a level where we are obligated to stop and hold the door and open it for the person. And then there's the level or kind of a threshold where they're far enough away that nobody will think any the wiser if you just open the door and go in. Is that just me? Apparently. Okay. Wow. Telling on myself today. So, this person was far enough away that I could just sneak into the post office and wouldn't be any the wiser, like it was just, you know, do my thing. But I, something paused me and said, open the door for them. And so this a person comes across the crosswalk, comes to the post office. I'm standing there with like, you know, just the grin on the face and like holding the door. And you know that moment when the door is being held for you or you're holding the door for somebody else. Remington just did it. Like you do the little jog because you don't want to impose upon the extra five seconds that it's going to take for them to pause and wait for you in the door. So it's like the jog shuffle is the lady was doing, she was going towards the door and I said, don't worry about it, it's okay. And we both go into the post office, the, the door closed behind me and she turns around and she looks me in the face. And she says, you know, today has been a pretty rough day. And I thought to myself, it's only 9.15 in the morning, how bad could today be? Thankfully, my filter caught that one. That was mind thoughts, not, not words coming out. And she says, you know, you." Your smile and holding the door for me has made all the difference for me today. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I go to the post office box. She goes into where the cash register is and there's another door over there. She pauses at that door and turns around again. She says, sir, I really truly want you to know the impact that that's had on me today. Thank you. Thank you. And I've never seen her after that. She might be here today for all I know, but never underestimate the impact you have on another person's life that could change the trajectory of their entire life. That a smile, a pleasant look, a kind word might alter the trajectory of someone's day, week, month, year, or lifetime. Because peace begins with a smile. Luke continues telling what Jesus told his disciples in verses seven through nine. Stay there eating and drinking wherever, whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. I love this, this passage because it speaks about a welcome invitation. And leaving behind those first missionaries of blessing on people. That individuals were healed because of their presence and because of the pronouncement of peace. And I think our world is yearning for healing. It's her yearning for restoration. And we might have a part to play in that healing and in that, re in that restoration. You know how the, the psalmist writes in Psalm 23 about surely goodness, love, and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. I used to think that that passage was talking about goodness, love, and mercy falling on me, that I would receive those blessings. But I think what the psalmist is really getting after 
is that as we are following the shepherd, what we leave behind for other people is goodness, love, and mercy. You see, when a shepherd is tending to his flock, he will move that flock from place to place. And pastures that have sheep living on them for a time, when they are well-maintained, become these beautiful parks. And they leave behind them beautiful atmosphere and nature for others to experience. Joel Green says this again in the Gospel of Luke and the New National Commentary of the New Testament. Importantly, one does not predetermine to whom God's wholeness is transmitted. The division that results from the communication of peace is without premeditation, without human premeditation, but arises from its acceptance or its rejection. Your call and my call is to extend peace indiscriminately. What other people do with that peace will determine what the next steps are, but we cannot be in a position of extending peace to someone and not to someone else. We are called to extend peace indiscriminately. And Jesus recognizes with his disciples that it might not always be the welcome that you want. What do you do then? Verses 10 through 12. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say this, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of heaven has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. In other words, let it roll off your back. If you extend peace to someone and they don't extend it back to you, wipe the dust off your feet and move on. Don't waste your energy and time on someone who does not extend that peace back. Always be open and welcome to receive, but don't waste your time. Move on because there are others who need to hear the peace. Because the truth about peace is that forced peace merely postpones unresolved conflicts. If you are forced to experience peace, are you truly experienced peace at all? No, there's just a break in the conflict that already exists. We see that in the conflicts that are going on in our world today. You see that in the war between Israel and Hamas, a ceasefire lasting seven days. The conflict was not resolved because the peace was forced. True peace is an environment and an atmosphere that is built through reconciling love. That's true peace. When you experience true reconciling love in relationship, and it's an environment, not a place that you can pin on the map. But as you go extending peace and others reciprocate, we open up a window and a door into the kingdom of heaven. Story goes that in 1969, Mr. Rogers, you remember Mr. Rogers? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? I grew up on Mr. Rogers. I loved the guy. There was an episode that aired, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood neighborhood in 1969. And of course, students of history, and maybe some of you remember, the 1960s in this country were rife with racial prejudice. Jim Crow laws had just recently been overturned with the Civil Rights Act, but there was still prejudice between whites and blacks. And Mr. Rogers, a white man, invites Officer Clements, a black man, onto his television set. And that day, Mr. Rogers sits down beside Officer Clements, and in front of them is a kiddie pool with water in it. And Mr. Rogers invites Officer Clemens to take off his shoes and his socks and to dip his feet in the pool. And Mr. Rogers does the same. 
You see, even though this was four or five years after the Civil Rights Act, there were still people that were upset about racially integrated community swimming pools and people throwing acid inside of a pool because other people were there that they thought shouldn't be. And so Mr. Rogers, in only the way that Mr. Rogers could, invited Officer Clemens to share a swimming pool. And then Mr. Rogers, when they were done talking and enjoying the, the kiddie pool, took a towel and offered it to Officer Clemens. And then Mr. Rogers took the same towel and used it to dry his own feet. It's taboo, something that you didn't do. And in the middle of upheaval in this country, it was like a balm had been spread. And as Mr. Rogers extended reconciling love towards Officer Clemens, there was a window and a moment of peace that was experienced on that TV set and it would ripple throughout the country. Desmond Tutu puts it this way, if you want peace, you don't talk to your friends, you talk to your enemies. You talk to the person that you're not supposed to talk to. You talk to the person that everybody else says that, yeah, you're not supposed to be friends with them, that, all the divide. If you truly wanna go after peace, if you wanna participate in a real way in this world of ushering in the new kingdom, go after the person that everybody else says you shouldn't and begin offering peace all along the way. Ellen White puts it this way, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, page 28. Christ followers are sent to the world with a message of peace. Whoever by the quiet unconscious influence of a holy life shall reveal the love of Christ. Whoever by word or deed shall lead another to renounce sin and yield his heart to God is a peacemaker. Because at its core, peace is evangelistic. You wanna reach someone for Jesus, offer peace. Offer the peace that surpasses all understanding. And peace, everything as it should be, well, that begins with you and with me.